The Crux of the Matter, Episode 25, Pastors and Tech, Part 1. Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors, for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And this is Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. I've often wondered now if you should be, this is Professor Scott Stigmeyer. Oh, yeah. Maybe Herr Professor Scott (laughs) Stigmeyer. Well, that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult to get used to. Yeah, I'll say I'll leave that up to your uh, yeah, to your okay. great judgment. But uh, but that's that is a funny thing indeed. So how you doing? If you're are you moved in yet? Also, uh, no, not really. Because it's just me, and I don't have any of my furnishings. <laughs> so I'm still living with a card table and a couple of folding chairs and a air mattress to sleep on and it's making me nuts. I feel like I'm in a prison cell. Gotcha. You're living the minimalist lifestyle right now. It's very Spartan. Me and the three cats. You and the three cats. It's very Spartan and very Zen. I've always thought of you that way. Yeah. Well, we are, um, we are kind of on the cusp of the wild and crazy California summer here. Uh, and what that means for our dear listeners is that for the next month, I'm going to be on vacation and uh, and Scott, you're going to be teaching a class, moving all of your stuff in, trying to figure out kind of what it means to live in Southern California, all of that fun stuff. So what I what I think we're going to try to do is we're going to try to do some recording here today. This is Monday and tomorrow and see if we can't kind of um, front load a bunch of recordings that that will automatically release in the proper time. If not, we may get a uh, recording or two from the field, as it were, and we'll uh, we'll kind of roll with things from there. Does that sound uh, like a plan, Scott? I think so. All right. We'll give Gotta it a do crack. It. Yep. Now, the first thing that uh, that we're going to do since we're, uh, we're kind of in this is uh, you and I have been toying with a, uh, a new segment or section I don't know. We'll come up with a pithy title for it eventually. But what I'm thinking is essentially, what are you teaching this week? Uh, and what this would be is a short little segment that just highlights one little bit or piece of something that you are something that you are working on in a given week that would uh, that would highlight what it is that uh, what do you think kind of thinking about pastorally? Could be a Bible class, could be a sermon, could be a lecture, whatever it is. Um, that's my uh, that's my theory, and since this was my idea, I will go first. Um, we have been doing a Bible class in uh, on Sunday morning on on angels. Essentially, that I'm kind of uh, working off of a Bible study that was written I don't know maybe ten years ago by Armand Bomey called Angels and Demons. That's been sort of my uh, my model for this. I've used a lot of the scripture passages that he's he's held up. Put it, put it on keynote, etc. Um, yesterday, when I was teaching it, we were looking at a couple verses from the book of Jude, uh, Jude six and seven, and it had a couple words in it that I thought were interesting. That would be worth our exploration. Uh, let me read it. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Now, there are a couple things that are interesting on that. This was what was kind of getting me thinking about it yesterday was that 
the this is obviously talking about the fall of Satan and the angels. Um, but what interested me was that what they reject essentially is is their is their vocation. The word that uh, that is translated in the ESV position of authority is the word arcane. You know, we get all mm -hmm. arch, archangel. I mean, there's all kinds of words that that kind of come out of that uh, out of that word family. But it is a uh, uh, beginning source. Every you know, authority, um, ruler. Uh, you know, the rulers of the of the Jews, etc. Um, it has a lot. So they reject their arcane, their their place in heaven, and left their and left their proper dwelling. Which is oikete, I'm sorry, oiketerion. So their 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 proper house or habitation, something along those lines. And so, what what are the angels doing? They are rejecting where God has placed them, both in terms of a vocation and in terms of a location. Now that now that to me is interesting. I don't know if it's interesting to you or not. Um, but then what is interesting is that the comparison is made with this and Sodom and Gomorrah and sexual immorality. Mm. That sexual immorality is, is – and, and notice, at least here in Jude, it's – well, I mean, I suppose it says sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire. So, so it broadly speaks of sexual immorality and then more narrowly speaks of, of what we would – what uh, what in the scriptures we would call sodomy, mm -hmm. um, so it calls that a a rejection of vocation and location, and I don't know quite what all that means, but I mean order of creation stuff, but it really struck me as quite interesting in the light of all of the Bruce Caitlyn Jenner stuff that we've had, as well as the the uh, the lady that. You know, self-identifying as black and all these other things. Yeah. That's what I've been teaching. Yeah. So tell me more about this Bible study by Armin Bamey. Where'd you get is that a CPH product? It's a CPH it's one. They um it, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a okay. it's a series they have called the Lutheran Difference. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I know uh, the series, but I don't remember that, that yeah, episode. It, <laughs> it's um it's good, it's not great. I'll say that. And and a part of that is stylistic. I have a really hard time using canned Bible classes of any kind, but mm -hmm. it it does more of the uh I'll say Bible trivial pursuit than I would prefer. Um where okay, you've got a 45-minute Bible class and we have 57 Bible verses that you're going to look up. Right. Well, that, right. I think that that's a little silly. Yeah. But despite that, he has a he has a good basic framework that has uh, allowed me to work off of it. Cool. So yeah. Cool. So what are you uh, teaching or preparing to teach this week, Scott? Well, as we said before, I'm not actually teaching quite yet. I was originally going to start teaching this week, I thought, but there was some kind of miscommunication with the students. So uh, the short story is that I I start teaching next week here at Concordia University in Irvine, California. And this, this is my first class here, and the first class I'm teaching is called Bioethics for Healthcare Professionals. 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly nursing students. That's the vast majority of the students they have, maybe one or two students who come along that might be pre-med or pre-physical therapy or something like that okay. who, will, who will take it as well. And, and I suppose anyone could take it if they wanted to, but, but it's biomedical or bioethics for medical professionals. And I'm, I'm not teaching, but I'm, but I'm just preparing to teach. And basically, I'm looking through all of my lectures, but mostly the last couple of days, I've been focusing on uh, one lecture in particular that I absolutely need to get a home run on, and that's the Theological Foundations. So sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. My first three lectures are this. I'm going to do... The first one is just going to be introduction. We're going to go over the syllabus, and then I'm going to do a history of bioethics and a whirlwind kind of thing. The second, the second one is going to be what I call theological foundations, and I'm going to. The third one is what I'm calling uh, ethical theories, and so we'll talk about the philosophy of ethics and so forth, gotcha. so forth. And then from then on, we go into clinical issues and so on. And uh, but the theological foundations, we're going to be talking about creation. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about orders of creation. We're going to talk about image of God being made in the sure, likeness sure. image of God. We're going to talk a lot about the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the goodness of the body. That's really sort of my theme that I want them to come away with. I don't want them to be dualists. You know, right, I think, right. you know, where we, where we sort of overemphasize the spirit and denigrate the body. And I want to make sure that we know that the body is good as created. Of course, we're fallen. And I'll talk about the fall in this when you talk about sickness and, and suffering and death and the resurrection. So that's everything, right? Right that there. Should, that should about cover it. You're going to do that in yeah. three lectures. I'm going to do that in one lecture. In one lecture. This is going to be like a SEM1 sermon, isn't it? Where you but cover the whole counsel of God in like, and only this won't be in 20 minutes. This will be in like, what, three hours or something yes, like that? It's, it, it, yes, it's one, it's one class, but it is a three and a half hour class. <laughs> but I, I, I also know. I hope you hand out seatbelts when you get there because <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, I'm pretty sure I can do it. I have, I kind of have it plotted out. But, you know, a lot of these themes are going to be things that I'm not going to go exhaustive on them because, no. you know, because you could do a lot of time just on the topic of suffering. Sure. You know, what is the meaning of suffering? And, you know, they're nurses. These are nurses. They're going to be dealing with human suffering on a daily basis, uh, you know, to nth de- the nth degree for sure. And helping people who are suffering and helping the loved ones of those who are suffering and, and, right, and so right. on. And so, you know, we're going to talk about the meaning of suffering, but I'm not going to just do it in one class. This is just the, that one class is just going to give us get our foot in the water. But it will come up again and again and again as we start to talk about end of life decision making. Um, you know, we're going to talk about controversial. This is my one concern about teaching this class is all the controversial subjects that there are. Bioethics is that's all it is. It's just one controversial subject after another. Oh, right. And, Absolutely. And this is hitting and, every everybody's button, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I had def have definite viewpoints on certain things. And so anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a lot of fun and starts next Monday. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well that's good. Those are a couple of things that we're uh, we're cooking on. Um, and that should be that should be fun. Now, our topic for today is is one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. That's sort of uh, sort of what makes me tick a little bit as a pastor, and that is the topic of technology and the pastor. And and here is my this is my idea behind coming up with this topic. When I started as a parish pastor 
which was 1999, um, cell phones were still pretty new as a regular feature. I think, I think you and I both had cell phones or got cell phones maybe the last year or two when we were doing admission stuff in the late 90s. But, uh, but they were relatively new. Since that time, we have, uh, we have seen the rise not only of cell phones, but the almost universal nature of cell phones. And not only cell phones, but smartphones. And not only smartphones, but now smartwatches and, and iPads and never mind laptops, which, you know, was, was also, while not new, was definitely, um, a little more edge case, even in the, even in the mid to late nineties. Um, and, and so we have seen a huge number of changes in in the technology that we use, and that and that can have lots of different lots of different realms in which it uh, in which it kind of plays out in the in the life of the pastor. That's also going to depend at least a little bit on the type of congregation that you have and what sort of uh, what sort of place technology plays in. Um, in your congregation, and maybe just to kind of kind of start the start the ball here, would you consider yourself a a kind of techie person, Scott? No, I would not. But I think a lot of people in my congregation that I served would think me of, as, as a techie person. I mean, I use my computer a lot. They see me on my laptop frequently, and sure. very reliant on my iPhone. And I preach from an iPad normally, and uh, and then I have been podcasting. Right. So I think a lot of my parishioners, and compared to a lot of people, I am kind of a techie, but I really don't know what I'm doing three quarters of the time and don't know how things work. And I'm just kind of, you know, going headlong into that good night and just hoping for the best. Interesting. So, so you wouldn't think of this as something that you would um – that you would gravitate toward? Would it be more of a tool that you use than something that you kind of naturally look toward? I think that's probably the case, yes, that I I tend to – actually, technology frightens me. (laughs) And the reason it frightens me isn't because of some big philosophical thing or dystopian outcome, but it's just that I'm worried that I won't be able to figure it out. You know what I mean? It just looks to me like a whole bunch of frustration. And that's what that is. Um, Now that isn't, yeah, it's going to, that's going to suck up a bunch of, I'm going to want to do this. I'm going to want to use this. I'm going to see the value in it. And it's going to, it's going to be a lot of frustration. So, so part of me is sort of turned off to technology, but I do see the, I do see technology as a tool and I'm always looking for useful tools. Hmm. Interesting. But you would definitely consider yourself a, a techie, a geek, a, a, a techno nerd, or whatever. Oh, man, I am pretty much, uh, pretty much hopeless when it comes to that. Uh, comes to that stuff, and and a part of that, Scott, is that I I started working, I started working with computers when I was ten or eleven. I worked at a computer store all through high school and through a lot of college, um, and so that's been kind of in my blood for thirty five years, probably something like that. So that's definitely, um, a part of my kind of DNA is that I, is that I gravitate toward it. I am, um, I, I don't know. It, it's almost like, 
it, you know, there, there are a lot of guys in my congregation that are really into cars, right? Uh, that just love cars. They love talking about them. They love studying them. They love, they certainly love driving them. Um, and, and, you know, and so they can, they can have a conversation about how to restore a 63 Corvair for hours. And, and I am completely and utterly lost in that conversation. But if you want to talk about the difference between an A5 to an A6 to an A7 processor, then I am right there. Okay. Um, and, and so there is kind of a, uh, a, a geekery that, that, uh, and I don't know if this is a male versus female thing or not, that would, that might be a whole nother conversation, but, but that this has definitely been something that I have always fiddled with. And that's true with computers, um, computers, phones, iPads, uh, stereo stuff, TVs across the board. Now for me, that has, there's good to that. There's also some real serious drawbacks to it. Um, first of all, and perhaps most obviously, it's expensive. Yeah, right. It, it costs a lot of money. And it's an so expensive hobby. It's an expensive hobby. Um, and so that's, that is a challenge that, um, that, I, that I struggle with. And, uh, and I wish that I had a nifty kind of bit of advice for that resolution, but I certainly don't. Um, that's one. Now, number two, that does also mean that I'm kind of the resident expert, not only for myself, but for family members, friends, other kind of random people. I become tech support for anybody that that uses any of this stuff that I know things about. And that's OK. But that also can be kind of time consuming. Sure. Now, now let's let's draw this back to the pastor stuff, though. Um as I, as I think about technology things, uh, I put them in several categories. Uh, one is going to be the category of, of study and, and learning. And that can include anything from uh, Bible software to writing software. We've talked about writing programs before. Yep, yep. Um, Bible software, writing software, kind of various methods of research, not necessarily Bible research, but other kinds of theological research. Um, so that's kind of one, one realm. And then another realm is going to be communication with my parishioners. Not so much, um, not so much, direct communication. Well, I mean, I guess you've got direct communication and then you have, uh, I'll say social networking, Facebook primarily, but social networking. So you've got that kind of, that kind of communication. Um, and then there's going to be other things, uh, let's say administrative stuff like church management software and, and all of those kind of things. Um, and where do they, where, if any, do they, do they fit? into, uh, into life. Um, I don't know. That's kind of how I, how I think about dividing it up along the way here. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, it's, I, I think I have that same gene. It, 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 it just manifests a little differently. I don't quite, uh, I mean, I'm intrigued because of the same things, you know, I mean, I, I'm very intrigued by it, by technology, but I guess I don't have, maybe I don't have the patience to learn all the ins and outs. And so that's why it ends up for me being sometimes very frustrating. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. 
Do you, I mean, but to some extent, do you think this is a generational thing too? Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and this is definitely a product of, of, uh, of kind of your comfort level. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had a comfort level. I grew up on, on computers that were frankly designed to be physically taken apart and put together and pieced together. And, and, and while I am by no means a, a programmer, um, I'm not a coder. I do have a, a, a general sense of how these things work and why they work, both in terms of hardware and software and how they interact. Um, and, and don't see them as, what's the, what's the Asimov quote? Any technology can be sufficiently advanced enough so it's indistinguishable from magic. Right. Um, I don't think of it as magic. Um, I, I, I can see things that I don't understand, but, that, but I'm, I don't think that it's magic. Yeah. Along the, along the way. So there's a difference there. But, um, even, even thinking back 15 years, 18 years ago, when I started, I had file folders and file folders and file folders of sermon notes of, of, uh, you know, anytime I wrote a sermon, I printed it out and I dutifully put it in a file and, and, um, and, and so there were physical things that happened. I had a whole huge stack of books that I would always reference that when I was doing original language work. And then I had other books that I would, that I would reference when I was doing some other kind of study. Um, and thinking about the study area, that is one area where, I mean, heaven knows, and this is at least partly your fault, just to be clear. Um, I still buy plenty of books, no yeah. doubt about that. Um, and I, and I still firmly believe that there are some kinds of books that are going to be better served in a, in a paper format as compared to a, a digital format, which obviously lends itself to being searchable, accessible, portable. You know, I can have every, every Bible study resource known to man, you know, dictionaries, encyclopedias, commentaries, you know, every translation, it is all on my, it is all on my phone, you know, yeah. far, far less any, anywhere else. So, so that's all there. But at the same time, at least for me, the, because of my inherent fiddliness with this stuff, it also serves as a major, major distraction. Yeah, And so the amount of time and energy that I save by using these devices, I sometimes wonder if I actually lose it because of Facebook <laughs> or whatever <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> and I'm not self-disciplined enough to say, okay, I'm going to make it so that I can't use Facebook on my computer from eight to four during the day or whatever. Um so there's, so there's definitely good and bad. I mean, that's a part of the fun of, uh, and a very different way of doing Bible class. Like when I do Bible class on Sunday mornings, if we're doing a kind of verse by verse text thing, I will mm-hmm. put the, the English and the Greek up on the screen for everybody to see. Now, obviously they can't read Greek, but I can more or less. And so I can sort of trace questions that they ask and we can kind of work through them together. And that's really fun. I think they find it very, very interesting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's definitely the love hate relationship there. No question. 
Well, let's talk about how some of those tools for parish ministry, I mean, more directly, like you just mentioned, using Bible software that you can project on the screen and use it for Bible sure. studies. Sure, sure. Um, you know, what um, What have you thought about, have you, I mean, do you use like the pastoral companion on your phone or iPad well, let, or anything like well, that? I, I, I put it this way, Scott. Um, you've got the study tools, which in my mind are things that I'm doing with just me or maybe mm-hmm. with one other person, but with just me, then there are going to be, I'll, I'll say interactive tools like teaching tools. So yeah. I use a program called keynote. Uh, many people use PowerPoint. Um, right. and, and, but then I will also use some of those study tools and just project them up on a screen. Um, I have a big, big Bible class with, you know, 50 plus people every week. And, and it just irks me to no end to have to try and print out stuff every single oh, week. That'd be um, nuts. Yeah. yeah, it would be nuts. And especially because I'm largely making this stuff up as I go along, um, mm-hmm. to have it printed out requires, frankly, a level of and type of organization that I don't always have that makes perfect sense in my head. And I know how to put mm-hmm. it on a slide, but may not lend itself well to a, to kind of a nifty three point outline. Um, so I so you've got those sort of tools, and then you've got tools like um, you mentioned the Pastoral Care Companion is both an iOS and an Android app. Um, you can now get Lutheran Service Book, the hymnal, in a digital right. format with both Kindle and uh, and iBooks. I think I did that as a pick maybe a month ago or something like that. Um, there are and then all of those Bible things you could do to bring calls along, but in my mind, Scott, I don't want. I, I never want the focus to be on the technology. I always want the focus to be on what is actually being communicated. Mm-hmm. And there are some people where if I am if I am reading out of a book or off a bulletin, then they're they're not going to pay any attention to that. They're going to pay attention to the words. Whereas there are others, if I'm reading off my phone, the fact yeah. that I'm reading off my phone is itself going to be distracting to them. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And and so generally speaking, I don't use my phone or iPad or whatever for shut-in visits for that exact right. reason because that is just not their world. Right. And all that's going to do is seem weird to them and they're not going to understand it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you use um, – do you still print your sermons um, or the I, outlines? Uh, or whatever? We haven't talked about preaching – a whole lot yet, but, um, I've never, I, I have certainly used an iPad or phone in a couple cases for, um, uh, for preaching a sermon. Um, but I generally don't. And that is largely has to do with that fiddliness factor that when I'm in a pulpit, I don't want something that I have to be thinking about. And yeah. even though I am perfectly comfortable working with an iPad and know how to do it, it is still something that that has to be a conscious decision on my part. Now, maybe if I had practiced doing it that way and I'd done it for a year or something, then it would be no problem. But um, I, I don't generally. Now, what, what convinced you to go that direction? Because I typically am working on my sermon till the moment I leave the house, uh, even on Sunday morning. Sure. Okay. Sure. So this is, this is purely, this is not a, it is a more, maybe it is a, because I don't have time to print my sermon. That's my answer to your question. <laughs> so it is I literally, 
the only option you have. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it, it is the most time efficient option. Okay. Because I like to, what I do, I mean, I have my sermon done before Sunday morning. I don't want people to misunderstand. Uh, I'm done with it. But I get up early on Sunday mornings and I tinker on my sermon. That's just what I do. I, yep. I practice it in my head. I go over it and hear how words sound together. And I and I tinker with it. It's more like wordsmithing at that point. I'm not sure. actually writing. You're editing. Anything. I'm editing. I'm just revising. And I like to do that. Um, you know, I get up, I take my shower, I get ready, and then I sit there for however long I've allowed myself, and I work on it. And I don't then have to print anything, and I just I just save it to my Dropbox folder and go to my church, and and I've never had a problem with it. Um, I it's always in the back of my mind that you know, okay, I'm not going to, my, my iPad's not going to be charged and it's going to die. And I, you know, you're going to be doing, et cetera. There's always something in the back of my mind that this is going to go wrong, but I did, I've done, I mean, I'm not preaching on a regular basis now, but I, I did it quite, quite faithfully from the iPad for most of my five years, Hmm. you know, with occasional exceptions, there'd be the odd Sunday when I, when I would feel like having it in paper for some reason. Sure. Sure. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, and, I, and and a part of that for me is that is that my the the form that the sermon takes in the pulpit varies pretty widely for me. Um, sometimes I will print it out word for word. Sometimes I'll print an outline. Sometimes I'll use a mind map. Sometimes I will have the sermon kind of it's really clear in my head, but I don't have a thing written down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do that very often cause that's kind of flying without a net and that's mm-hmm. dangerous, but, um, but no question. I have certainly done that. Um, yeah. and, and any combination of those. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, and, and again, that's how did, how did preachers physically preach sermons? A hundred years ago, 150 years ago, you know, I have seen plenty of sermons that were that were dutifully typed up from like yeah. the 40s and 50s and 60s, but that would have been impossible in the in 1900. You know, yeah. so were they writing dutifully writing them out longhand? Were they using? Um, did, were they memorized? That might be an interesting uh, realm of realm of study. Uh, it was, you know, sometime it, we need to get like some sort of sugar daddy to support us to go around and, and, and kind of think of things together. I think it would be a lot of fun to go to the Concordia Historical Institute and, and simply examine the, the physical records of sermons that they have. You yeah. know, what did Luther's sermons look like? Um, in the form that he actually preached them. What did Walther's sermons look like? What did these people's sermons look like? I think that'd be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun, but let's not call him a sugar daddy. <laughs> well, I wasn't <laughs> calling Luther a sugar daddy. No, I, I know. I mean, a, but, a benefactor, no, our, patron. Our patron. A patron. Our patron. Patron sounds so much better. If you yes. are interested in becoming a patron for the crux of the matter, you may email us at feedback at the crux of the matter dot net and you can highlight I want to give you money. Now, yeah. All right, that's probably bad. You can tell I'm ready to go on vacation, but it's okay. Anyway, um 
Well, I think we have uh, uh, more stuff to talk about on this because we haven't really talked about pastoral care. We haven't talked about um, a lot. We haven't talked about presentation stuff and how and how that's used in teaching really. a lot yet. And we haven't talked about, um, I'll, I'll say, the darker side of, of technology as well, which I do think that we need to, uh, uh, the addictive properties of technology. I think that we should, uh, I think we should talk about those things too. Um, maybe we can do this one as a two-parter as well. Are you okay with that, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be a good idea. All right. Well, let's, uh, we'll do that as part two then. Um, in our normal, uh, process, uh, we would do, uh, what, what is bringing joy at this point. Um, and, uh, since I didn't have time to talk to you about it ahead of time, I'll go first this time. Okay. okay. What is bringing joy to me is is that yes, I am that nerd. I have an Apple Watch. <laughs> a, a part of what I do with my uh, uh, with the random honoraria that I get for doing funerals and weddings and all those kind of things is that I squirrel some of that money away for these uh, technology purchases that are not justifiable, but. Um, uh, but are extremely enjoyable. So I've had an Apple Watch for, I don't know, maybe a month or a month and a half, something like that. And uh, I have to say, Scott, it is really, really fun. Um, and what do you is, use it for? How well, do you use this it? Is, this is why it's so interesting to me. The net result of my getting an Apple Watch is that I use my phone less. Which was exactly okay. what I hoped because what, a, what inevitably happens for me is I get a text message and then I look at and then I, I reply to that message and then I go to Facebook and then 20 minutes later I put my phone away. And that's, and that's that. And so it can really be a, 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 time, a time black hole for me. With a watch – uh, I can get a text message. I can reply from from the watch, and and then put it down. You know, just lower my wrist, and then I'm done. And you're not tempted then to go well. Oh well, I'm here. I'll just right. open up well, and check my social media. Right. Well, it's not designed for that kind of thing. It's designed. It's a watch. It's designed for glances. It's not okay. designed for long interaction. In fact, I would argue that if whatever the app is that you're using. Uh, wants you to look at the watch for more than about 10 seconds, it's probably a lousy app. It is really designed to stay out of the way. And that's what I've enjoyed about it is that it can, is that it allows me to kind of dip in and out of these things quickly. Now, as well as time, temperature, it's got a great calendar thing. I use a to-do list program called OmniFocus, which, and, and so I can quickly raise my wrist you know, take two taps and, and I can go over to my OmniFocus list for the day and I can see these are the four things that I've left to do this afternoon. Um, and uh, and those sort of things are really, really easy. And it's got a few other fun features like it works as a remote control for your phone, uh, like for taking pictures. So if you wanted to do a group picture, you could set your phone up and then you could, you know, tap a timer on your watch. That's kind of fun. Um and it's got a lot of those kind of little things. But the thing that I enjoy about it most is that no doubt I use my phone less and which means that I'm staring at a glowing box less. And that's a good thing for me. So it's actually reducing your time on a screen. It's not just substituting one screen for another. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Right. I, I couldn't measure it for you to say this is how much, but it yeah, defi- but, but it's noticeable. Defi- yeah, it is definitely noticeable. And, uh, and I like that a lot. Well, that's that is great. a good thing. That- so, um, yeah, that is a good thing. Yeah, so that's been fun, and that's a that's a short version. But uh, got anything bringing joy for you this week, Scott? Yeah, since we're talking technology, I have an app that is really bringing me joy, and it's something you told me about. Um, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks before, but it's an app called Duet. Mm, yes, and it's it's the app that links that I have been using to link my iPad to my laptop computer, so that I now have two monitors. And I don't have a secondary monitor, like an external monitor right, right. On, on my desk, although that is kind of a goal. But right now I don't. And so, you know, it's very portable. I can carry my iPad with me. I can carry my laptop with me. And then I can be wherever I'm at and I've got two screens. And that means I can have one sort of uh, program going on the one screen. It's just very nice. I think it actually – because what I find myself doing a lot of times is – uh, thumbing back and forth between applications or between programs. Sure, sure. Okay, I'm on Word now. Now I need to go back to my browser. Now I go back to Word, then browser, and Word, you know, or whatever, Scrivener, and then this other thing. Yep. And so to have two screens in front of me has made that easier, and it feels like it's more efficient. Sure. I'm not well, flipping there, around looking for things. There is a fair amount of research that demonstrates that using two monitors is a lot more productive for most people so that again you you've got everything that you want sort of physically in front of you at the time i have a monitor uh, an external monitor and it's amazing i think i've had this monitor for like seven years scott i've had it for a long time and i have it uh, mounted on, on the wall at um at church Sometimes I will use just that monitor and I'll plug my computer in. Other times I will use both that monitor and the screen for my computer. So it's mm-hmm. it's very adaptable. I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Duet. Well, so, so people know, yeah, du- Duet, you have to hard link your you have to have a, a cord to link your device right. to your computer. And that's good because it actually means I think it, you know there's no time lag, there's no delay when you move your cursor from one screen to the other. It's just immediate. Um, so Duet is and it and it works really easily. You just yeah. turn it on, you know, you and just it turn just it on and it works. The, yeah. the the tech nerd term for that, by the way, is latency. There's your word for the day. And you mean the lag time the lag? lag. Yeah, that's called latency. Ah, yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So there's so, no latency. Yeah, or lit or less. You know, there's less. always going to be some, sure. but it's sure. it's very minimal in that. And there yeah. are other programs um, that are that are out there that do that wirelessly. But the problem with them is that they have a lot of latency. So there's yes, and big, that's what I was uh, using. Right, there's this big lag that takes place, and if what you're using the second screen for is purely passive, like you're watching a video or you know something like right. that, then it's not that big a deal. But if you're actually interacting on that page, then it is just a pain in the neck. So, and cool. that's and and that's what I was. Descri- I think a week or two ago, I was describing to you my frustration with that quarter of a second or half a second right. or even a second long lag that I was that latency I was noticing between the two screens. I forget what the what the app I was using was called, and you told me about Duet. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm glad you like it. It's a good one. Yep. Yep. I do. Well, use it every um, day. I think that that will uh, that that should do us for this episode. Again, this is episode 24. You can find it at the crux of the matter dot net slash podcast slash 24. Any final words for our dear listener, Scott? 
Nope, just uh, use technology responsibly. Use technology responsibly. That sounds so responsible. So, <laughs> and you know, yeah. we are responsible. So, with that, Anything. thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.